Amen. Thank you. If you will, turn in the Scriptures to the 13th Psalm. Psalm 13. And the title of the message will be, From Sorrow to Singing. From Sorrow to Singing, out of the 13th Psalm. And you'll notice, it's only six verses. You'll notice that um, in the first two verses, the psalmist David is uh, questioning how long, how long, how long? And this is no doubt a question that all of us have asked at one point or another in our lives. Um, can go all the way down from, how much longer until we get there? Or, I know I just ate lunch five minutes ago, but how much longer until supper? One common one I get is, uh, hey dad, how much longer is the sermon going to last? <laughs> And you know what, as, as funny as it is, at that in their, their, those little minds, there is some level of distress and discomfort. Yes, some impatience and discontent as well, but there is some, sort, some level of, of discomfort, distress. But as we get older and experience more of life, more of life in a sin-cursed earth, the question becomes more serious, the angst more difficult to bear the distress can be more overwhelming as we ask that question. Whether it's a, it could be something as simple as a sleepless night. Or how much longer until I can finally go to sleep. Or grieving the loss of a loved one. Or a bad report from the doctor. Maybe it's a wayward loved one. Or struggling marriage. Or just the, the state of, of spiritual darkness all around us. We can ask, and the question, and, and whatever that, that trial, that distress, is really is overwhelming. We feel like we're drowning at times. Maybe you feel like you're drowning in whatever the situation that it is. So David, the psalmist, is asking this question from a place of deep sorrow, deep distress. We don't know exactly the context of the psalm, if you just read First and Second Samuel, you can pretty much plug in a large portion of David's life and plug in this psalm in, in whatever he's going through. Some commentators think that it's when he's running from Saul. John Gill seems to think that it's um, when he is running from Absalom, his own son. Charles Spurgeon says, nobody can know. It's just, it's just it is a, and, and he, he says, nobody can know because it's for a believer. It's for the struggling, sorrowful believer. So you can put yourself in, into this psalm this evening. So let me read the psalm. It's six verses. Now I broke it down into two sections that hopefully will be helpful. And the first is the first four verses. I've called it David's Distressed Inquiry. David's distressed inquiry, and then the last two verses, verses 5 and 6, is David's firm recommitment. David's firm recommitment. Let's read Psalm 13. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemy say, I have prevailed against him. 
And those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in Thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in Thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord, because He hath dealt bountifully with me. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that the prayer of Psalm 119, I think verse 18, that Brother Zach has prayed many times. Lord, I pray that You would open Thou our eyes, that we may behold wondrous things out of Thy law tonight for Your glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. I want us to first take note to where, how the psalmist David begins this psalm, where he goes, where he turns to his distress. Because, and this should be instructive to all of us, in our anguish, when he feels that God is far from him, he feels like God is hiding from him. He feels like God is, is maybe turning his back on him. But yet, where does David go? David goes to God. He is crying out to God even when he doesn't when, even when he feels like God is not hearing him. Even when he feels like God is hiding from him, David yet still cries out to him. And that's what I would call that's real faith in action. That's real trust. Even the one he's crying out to seems like he is so so far away from him. So where do you go? Where do you go when you do not feel God? Maybe in your mind, in your heart, you feel like you are just light years away from any tangible presence of God, any tangible feeling of the presence of God in your life. And the temptation could be to just sink deeper into depression or anxiety, maybe to just drink your sorrows away or smoke your sorrows away or eat your sorrows away or starve yourself. Any, some, sort of, some sort of temporary relief and comfort that will bring relief and comfort just for a moment. That's the temptation. That's the temptation is to go somewhere that is, that is cheap, that is temporary, but yet won't bring any real, true satisfaction and fulfillment. And David is a man that is very, very familiar with trial, very, very familiar with sorrow, very, very familiar with depression, sorrow. So take, take heart and take note of where David turns but before that, I want, I want to just show how, how much David is familiar with sorrow. Psalm 6, the sixth psalm. Listen to this language in Psalm 6, verse 6. David says, I am weary with my groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with tears. Mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. You know what David is saying? David saying, I have cried all night long. I'm crying myself to sleep. Mine eye is consumed with grief. I remember hearing 
a godly woman one time, she was, she was uh, just crying out for, for prayer for her child who was just, just going off the deep end and just living in rebellion, living in darkness. And I remember her saying, when she was just begging for the prayers of the saints, I remember her saying, I feel like I've cried all the tears that my tear ducts have left. I feel like my tear ducts don't have any more tears to give. I've cried all the tears I have left. That was the sorrow, the angst, the deep grief and hurt of a mother for her wayward child. And that's where David there is there in Psalm 6 and in Psalm 13. In Psalm 31, I remember preaching from Psalm 31 three years ago actually. We were meeting on a Sunday evening out there in the churchyard in September of 2020. Just, just listen to some of this language, this sorrow language. Psalm 31, verse 9, he says, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Again, mine eye is consumed with grief. Yea, my soul and my belly, for my life is spent with grief. That literally means my life, I'm finished with grief. I'm, I'm just exhausted with grief. In my years with sighing, My strength faileth because of mine iniquity, and my bones are consumed. I was a reproach among all mine enemies, but especially among my neighbors, and a fear to mine acquaintance, that they they that did see me without fled from me. I'm forgotten as a dead man out of mind. I'm like a broken vessel. For I have heard the slander of many. Fear was on every side. While they took counsel together against me, they devised to take away my life. Even his neighbors didn't want to be around him. Maybe we've been in some sort of similar situation. Whatever, whatever the stage of life that you were in, or whatever the trial, where you were just consumed with sorrow. You were spent with sorrow. You don't know you don't know almost just putting one foot in front of the other seems like impossible. You know some of David's a lot of David's sorrow and it could very well be for us was because of his own sin. You know David obviously had very well documented sins. We were going through uh Second Samuel in our Old Testament group recently, and man, how would you like for all the millions of people who've ever read the scriptures to know? I mean, you're you are out there. They know the very worst about you. Well, Psalm 38, David says, "O Lord, rebuke me not in Thy wrath, neither chasten me in Thy hot displeasure." For thine arrows stick fast in me, thy hand presseth me sore. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger. Neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. For mine iniquities are gone over mine head as a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. So even maybe... Our own sin that causes such anguish and sorrow. And we know 
even it's the result of sin in general, regardless of, of why there's any sorrow in the world, any violence and death and any of that. It's because, of course, of, of the curse. Sorrow, sorrow, sorrow. He says in verse 2, How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? This taking counsel in my soul, it has the idea of just inner turmoil. Just imagine you're just going back and forth in your mind. You know, Brother Zach often tells us, don't listen to yourself. But imagine if, if you feel like your thoughts and your worst fears and your anxieties and your worries... And you're letting your mind go to the darkest places it can possibly go. That's where David is right here. And he can't get any relief daily. This is, an, this is a daily, ongoing battle. How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? Have inner turmoil daily. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? I read a book by uh, Pastor Andrew Brunson who was a missionary in Turkey and was uh, in prison there for, I believe, two, two and a half years until, I think, 2016 or 2017 when he was finally freed. Um, But he would talk about how, you know, when he looks back and it was only two and a half years, but he said it felt like, you know, 20 or 30 years or even a lifetime. And... I've heard of the, the quote that a week within prison walls is longer than a month at liberty. Sure, it can feel that way, doesn't it? Those long, hard days or those sleepless nights, it can feel like years and years and years. How long? How long? How long? Spurgeon says, for as many times as he says, how long? He said, you can call this the howling song. How long? Howling. That's what he's doing. That's real. I think of Job. Job 23. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. God, I don't see you. Where are you? He, uh, um, he hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see Him. Sorrow, brothers and sisters. It's very real. Then He says, Consider and hear Me. Verse 3, Consider and hear Me, O Lord my God. Lord, hear Me. Give Me direction. Please show Me regard. He says, lighten my eyes. Lord, I just need some clarity. I need some clarity. I need some direction. I need some illumination. Do you ever, and practically, do you ever just have a foggy mind? Maybe from physical weariness, being tired physically, but maybe just emotional turmoil that you just have a foggy mind, you can't even think clearly. God, I need some clarity. Well, Our beloved Psalm 19, verse 8, would say, You know, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. 
The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. And so where is David turning? Even in the deepest sorrow, again, David is still going to cry out to God. He is still going to God. He says, consider and hear me, I love it, O Lord, my God. Even when he feels like God is light years away from him, he still has a personal relationship with the God of heaven, the God of the universe. Consider and hear me, O Lord, my God. Illuminate me, lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lord, if you don't help me, Lord, if you don't give me some sort of direction, I'm going to die. Lest my enemy say I've prevailed against him and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. It's a pretty heavy psalm, isn't it? It's pretty heavy. This is real life. You know, one of the many evidences and just reasons we should put our confidence in the truth, the veracity, the inspiration and and sufficiency and and just the truth of Scriptures is because it doesn't sugarcoat anything. It doesn't sugarcoat all the so-called biblical heroes because what we would call many of our biblical heroes were very, very flawed and then had very, very real trouble and anguish. Why is that? Because the only real hero is the point of God's Word. It's God. It's Jesus. It's the triune God. So, this is heavy. And if we were to end there, man, I'm glad we had a song service. At least we sang joy unspeakable and full of glory. But then, verse 5 happens. David's firm recommitment. And there's a transition here. There's a transition that happens. And any of, any of you that are familiar with our beloved Elder H.D. Fulmer, you know, he loved that three-letter word, but. But. You at the quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins, you've walked according to the course of the power of the air, the prince of the power of the air. You are a children, child of wrath, a children of disobedience, but God who is rich in mercy... I heard, I heard that one of, I'm guessing it was one of Brother Kendall Poe and Sister Debbie Poe's daughters finally, because he, he just loved that word, but she finally did a, a little needlework uh, and got it framed for him, and it had but on there, and he framed it and put it up in his house. This is a very, very, this, this is a transition, because again, if I were to end at verse 4, man, heavy. But, a transition happens. He's going to recommit himself in his heart. David is. And how is he going to do this? The one who feels like God is hiding from him. How long, O God? But you know what? He's going to go from questioning God to trusting God. But I have trusted. That has the idea of of taking refuge in. I'm going to take refuge in. 
Where is my security going to be? My refuge? Who am I going to rely on? Who am I going to take confidence in? And He's going to put His trust somewhere. And it's not going to be fear. You know, sadly, many, of, many people out in the world and many people here, you and I, may put our trust, and when I, again, when I say, mean trust, I mean our, our security, when we think of what am I secure in, it may be, may be our, our, our paycheck or you know, our 401k or our education or whatever. And again, it can, can be something as simple as we can feel secure when we just, you know, I'm just, I'm just going, I'm going to just get on my phone, may not even be, be doing something inherently wrong, but I'm just going to kind of just, just lose, lose myself into just scrolling so I don't have to think about the real world. Whatever, whatever it is. That, maybe that's where we find our security at times, or just a little relief sometimes. But David, and I'm imploring you and I today, he is going to trust in the character of God, in the flawless character of God. Specifically, I have trusted in Thy mercy. Thy mercy. The Hebrew word is hesed. Some have called this the defining character of God. It'd be an interesting conversation. What's the defining character of God? I would, if you ask me, I guess I would say His holiness. But all of His attributes, all of it is perfect and they describe Him. But this, this, this is an amazing, I will say this, this is, this is an amazing, glorious aspect of God's character. His hesed. His mercy. You could say His loving kindness. His faithfulness. His steadfastness. His grace. His goodness. His favor. His pity. His loyalty. Can you believe that God is loyal to an unloyal people? This hesed is mentioned 248 times in Scripture. 248 times. 127 times in the Psalms. You'll remember a bunch of the 127 is, is I think, Psalm 136. And we like to repeat it. And His mercy endureth forever. And His loyalty, His loyal love, His steadfastness, His faithfulness endureth forever. That's real security, brothers and sisters in Christ. That's real um, relief and comfort. But I have trusted in Thy mercy. He's going to look away from self and He's going to put, set his, his affection, set His foundation on the flawless, invincible, loyal, faithful, gracious, reminds us of how God designed women today. Nurturing character of God. Remember, this is a man who has a personal relationship with God. This God, this God who is, who is full of hesed, full of mercy. 
But then, he even goes a step further. And this really is. It's the same David, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that penned the first four verses, who also penned these last two verses. So he's going to take security, he's going to take refuge in God's mercy, but then he can even go a step further. He's even going to rejoice. He's going to rejoice. He's going to take delight, take pleasure. Well, what is he going to take pleasure in? Because many of of us in our sinful nature take pleasure in all the wrong things. Instant gratification, microwave culture. That's what we are um, tempted to do. And that's what we are prone to do in our sinful nature. But what is David going to take pleasure in or rejoice in? He is going to rejoice in God's salvation. Deliverance. Rescue from the jaws of Satan. You know, those Wednesday nights that Brother Isaac... We did the study on salvation. And he called it God's great rescue plan. That's worth rejoicing over. Sinner, you see yourself as a sinner that we sang about in number 14 there in the binder? Sinner, one who has broken God's law? One who is worthy of condemnation? We need a rescue plan, don't we? He trusts in God's mercy. He rejoices in His salvation. You know, David knew a little bit about rescue, didn't he? A little bit about being rescued. Think about, this really happened, kids. Will, this really happened. David really did kill a bear and a lion. Can you believe that? (laughs) He really killed a bear and a lion and slew a giant who was about as big as a basketball goal. That really happened. He knew a lot about rescue, didn't he? He also knew about rescue through a prophet named Nathan. Remember David's well-documented sin? His unfaithfulness? His hardness of heart? And then God sends a prophet, Nathan, to confront him? That was rescue, brothers and sisters. That was a rescue right there. Well, again, if you see yourself as a sinner, unable to save yourself, drowning in sorrow or drowning in, in, in anguish, or maybe you're not. Maybe you see yourself as a pretty good boy or girl or man or woman. Maybe we need to get to the place where David got to know that God is a God of free and full salvation. You remember God's His Hesed, His loyalty. He is true to His promises. His covenant of grace to rescue a people who did not deserve rescuing, but yet He did it 
out of love, out of mercy, out of graciousness. Look to Him. Trust His mercy. Rejoice in His salvation. You know, and aren't you thankful also, a little bit of a side note, but it shouldn't be, I guess, is that Jesus can relate to the sufferer. Jesus relates to the, to the one who is full of sorrow. Jesus, the one who is full of compassion, was also a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Jesus can relate to your heavy burden, brothers and sisters in Christ. But let's, let's close here in verse 6. Is it possible that David can go from howling, how long, how long, how long, from howling to singing? God has put a song back in his heart. Praise God. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. The one who it seemed like he was hiding from him who is millions of miles away from Him, is the same one who He's going to sing to now because He has dealt bountifully. He has dealt generously with Him. Well, you know, that doesn't happen, believer in Jesus Christ, if we are not communing with God regularly. We have to cultivate regular habit of communing with God. In His Word, in prayer, in discipleship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because the fact is, we, will go, we are and have and will continue to go through times of great sorrow and distress... And the only way, the only way that there is any deliverance and rescue is in communing with this God who is loyal. This only happens when we fix our eyes on Christ. I think of Acts 16. Remember Paul and Silas? Remember, they were so angry with them because there was a, uh, a lady who was some sort of, I guess, a, she, had, she was full of darkness. She had some sort of evil, dark power in her. And Paul, through the power of Jesus, rebuked that spirit, that dark spirit, and the spirit came out of her. And the men were upset because they were able to, to make money off this lady. And of course, when that spirit came out of her, well, it says, when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas. Think about how humiliating this is. They caught Paul and Silas, and they took their clothes off. It says they rent off their clothes, and they beat them. 
They beat them. It says they, in verse 22 of Acts 16, they rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet as fast, feet fast in the stocks. They say the stocks, the purpose of the stocks was so that your legs would cramp up. They wanted you to feel as much discomfort as you could. They wanted your legs to cramp up in the stocks. So naturally, Paul and Silas start singing. No, that's supernatural. Thomas Carryville was talking about supernatural power. This is supernatural, brothers and sisters. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. It's where we get the word singing praises, hymnio, where we, of course, get the word hymn from. And I love one of the definitions. It is a... It is, a, it, it is to celebrate God in song. It is to celebrate God in song. It, how is that possible? I mean, would you feel in a celebratory mood? Well, the answer is, of course, no. This is supernatural. They were able to sing praises to God at midnight after they had been completely stripped, completely naked, and beaten with many stripes, put into the innermost part of the prison, their feet in stocks, and they're singing praises to God. Of course, you remember what happens there in God's supernatural power at the earthquake and the Philippian jailer who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, he and his family, and they were baptized. Well, you know, I know of another man who sang in the midst of sorrow. This is a man who knew that he was about to be betrayed by those closest to him. Who knew that one of his most loyal followers was about to deny that he ever knew the man. Start and curse bitterly. Curse and swear. He was going to deny that he ever knew the man. Yet, this man, this night instituted what we got to participate in last week, the Lord's Supper. And you remember how they end that. Mark 14, 26. And when they had sung in Him, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Our Savior sang in the midst of sorrow. Isn't that beautiful? He celebrated God in the midst of sorrow. And it's likely that Paul and Silas and Jesus and the disciples there in the Lord's Supper sang what's known as the Hallel, Hallel, where you get Hallelujah from, means praise or to praise. Psalms 113 through 118. It's what they would sing during the, the Passover meals because. Um, one of the Psalms has to do with deliverance from Egyptian bondage. 
So let me read, as we close, one of those psalms. Psalm, part of it. Psalm 116, verses 3 and 7. 3 through 7. It says, The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech Thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful, loyal, faithful, steadfast. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low and He helped me. Return unto Thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with Thee. Yes, brothers and sisters, in Christ, He turns mourning into dancing. Now, this is not a prosperity message. This is not a power of positive thinking message. This doesn't mean if I say I trust in God's mercy and rejoice in His salvation, then all of my troubles will go away. All of my sorrow will just automatically go away and be erased. No, that's not the case. We know David experienced still much sorrow. But, there's the transition word again, but because of the gospel message, because Jesus Christ, really God, became man and was nailed on the cross, sacrificed Himself, He commended His love toward us, sinner, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Believer, that is you. He died for you. That means that we can trust, rejoice, and even sing through the trial, in the midst of the trial. It doesn't mean the trial is just automatically going to go away, but we can trust, rejoice, and sing through the trial and know that God's sovereign. His purposes are always to bring us in deeper relationship, deeper fellowship with Him. And then one day, one day, think about this, He sang there at the Lord's Supper. One day, He is going to sing over every one of His children. Zephaniah chapter 3. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. Actually, I'll start in verse 14. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all the heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord hath taken away thy judgments. He hath cast out thine enemy. The King of Israel, even the Lord, is in the midst of thee. Thou shalt not see evil any more. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear thou not. And to Zion, let not thine hands be slack. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee, believer, with joy. He will rest in His love. He will joy over thee with singing. Praise God. From sorrow to singing. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank You for Your hesed. Thank You for Your mercy that endureth forever. 
Thank You for Your deliverance, Your grace, Your salvation, that You are a saving, You are mighty to save. Thank You for giving us a reason to sing, even in the midst of sorrow. We can celebrate You in song. God, bless us now as we go through the week. You know, we, we can get recharged and we should get recharged on the Lord's Day. But the reality is we're going to go back into this world. May we remember these truths, these, this firm foundation. And may, our, may we go from sorrow to singing. And it's all because of You. It's all because of Your Son, Jesus Christ. In His name, Amen.